Hey guys, it's Drew again. My guest this week is Edgar Vergara, also known as Esgar. He's a music creator, he's a producer, he's a DJ. He's also recently started an online store that sells tools for model makers. And what I mean by models, I mean by lowrider models, car models, things that people can get out of hand and customize to the 10th degree. He's also recently had a baby. We're going to talk about things about how it is to grow up in Oxnard, what it is to DJ around the world, and having your first baby. This is Being Brown in L.A. guys welcome back this is drew and this is being brown in la my guest today is edgar vergara no relation to sofia vergara none okay okay uh edgar tell us what you do um i work for my family business it's a flower shop mm -hmm. based out in oxnard california yeah. and um at the same time you know producing music djing and an online store selling hobby tools and you so you're originally from uh, oxnard california and now you're in la yes all right all right now the first time i ever uh was hipped on to edgar was under the moniker escar yeah <laughs> and what's escar yeah so um escar is the alias i use when i um, release music and um I've released some projects to a label uh, called Iswid Records, and the style of music, it's a lot of instrumental bass, synth, um, heavy music, and I mean, it has various influences for sure, influences like hip-hop, bass, juke, um, but other than that, um, you know, it's it's been a minute, you know, during the time when, when we met, yeah. I would say that was like a time when I was very active. As far as playing and, and producing, releasing projects. Yeah, I think but, I went to see you in uh, Little Tokyo at some really small, small bar slash noodle place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, it was like people were eating. Yeah, I remember like having the... noodles while you were playing. Going, all right, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's um it was interesting. I mean, prior to that, you know, when I was DJing, I didn't use that alias yet. Yeah. So, when I started, when I took upon that, it was more like, all right, this is like a, I want to do this a little bit more serious, you yeah. know? Uh, and then, so you said you're from Oxnard and you work in your family. So what does your family do? They have a flower shop? Yes. So we have a, uh, my, my father started a flower shop back in 95 and it's family owned, operated, and it's, it's still there in, in town. We moved a few locations, um, but, but it's been cool. Um, you know, the... It's taught me a lot, you know, enough to uh, push me and, and motivate me where I'm at right now, starting my own venture. But as far as like the uh, the floral industry, you know, it was one of those things where it taught me a lot with, you know, customer service, meeting people, building relationships with people. And you also get to see, you know, people at their happiest and at their saddest moments as well yeah because of the occasions you know flowers are either birthdays or funerals yes birthdays funerals newborns yeah. anniversaries yeah. so it's it's crazy yeah that's like it's fun but there's also a percentage where it's kind of like 
it sticks with you. You know, like, yeah. dang, I, I feel bad for you know some of the people that are going through things. Definitely. And your parents have always been in the flower industry. Um, you know my um my father he he always worked when when he when he came to California he always worked different types of like jobs. Yeah. And he started to work at a flower shop as a delivery driver. And from there he met um some Japanese designers, floral designers. Nice. Who he would ask, like, you know, I wanna learn, can you teach me? And yeah. they would say no, like let us do our thing. Yeah. You know, you're the driver kind of thing. Yeah. But he knew he could do it. Like he believed in himself. Eventually, like they needed help and he came through and he did like prep work, you know, small little yeah. things. Just from from seeing like eyeing it down eventually. You know, this was like early '90s, so yeah. they liked what you know. Like they're like, man, this guy's like an asset to us. We yeah. can use him. So Work they showed him. Yeah. They showed him, and he started to really see and to meet like the the connections, like the people, like where they get the flowers yeah. and all these things, the ins and outs of running a, a floral shop. Yeah. And eventually, you know, he worked at a couple other shops. Yeah. And once he had all this experience, he was like, you know what? Time. It's time to open up my own business. Japanese floral arrangements are like at the top of. Yeah. It's almost like an art form. It no longer is like you almost don't even want to like throw it away. It's like, but uh, I, I saw like a whole show where like this man just did this arrangement and it cost so much money just to set it up. <laughs> and I was like, Jesus. Oh, right. um, so are you, your parents came from where? Yeah, my parents are from uh, Michoacan, Mexico. Yeah, exactly. So all your relatives are from Mexico? Yes. And yeah. Here now in California? Uh, yeah, I would say um, like my mom's side, um, everyone from my mom's side's here. My dad's side's like half, half are still in Mexico and, and half are here in the States. And then you, as I recall, you're saying that they were farm workers? Yeah. So, you know, when my grandparents got here, you know, it, the thing in Mexico where that town they were, they were living you know, it's always like, if you're going to go to California, like we got a connection, you know, we know people that are already living in Oxnard. So when they went, when they showed up in Oxnard, it was like, well, what are we going to do? Yeah. And they were like, well, we're going to work in the strawberry fields because it's very, it's very agriculture city. Yeah. Especially at that time. And I mean, they, they worked many years in the strawberry fields. Uh, My grandparents, then my parents, aunts and uncles, and I mean, they, they got to see, you know, like, and they experienced a lot of the things also when they would have the huelgas and all that with yeah. Chavez and yeah. the strikes, all that stuff. United Farm Workers. Yeah, they got they got to experience some of that as well. Um, and eventually, I mean, I know some of the my relatives, they kind of got tired of working those, those jobs where they were like, all right, you know, we're going to work in a lemon packing house. Um, avocados like wherever and then little by little leaving Oxnard going to like Santa Barbara and a little bit more up north you know for because it's just a lot of farmland yeah up that way yeah yeah, yeah. it's what it's what runs California most of the time it's a a lot of besides the tech stuff I mean California is known as an agricultural hub you know like it's the reason why a lot of the restaurants can get the precious things yeah that other places in the world can't get you know and it and it's cheap labor you know uh, it's on the backs of immigrants that have worked for almost nothing through i mean we saw it this last year they were working through fire they were working through anything they were just like hustling pandemic everything yeah. and they're still out there and we still get to go to the store and complain about how everybody has to wear a mask but 
you know we get our fresh vegetables from nah, people yeah. that are out there you know nah it's crazy yeah and it, it's like you know even um i mean we still see people working in the fields there in oxnard and uh, i mean my parents you know if i'm with them and we're driving and when we see them and we see the conditions whether it's raining windy or all that they always remember like they get these flashbacks you know and they feel for them they're going like man like you know they, they know it's tough and even they say i don't know how i did it when they were doing it at the time what is the uh, um so what what were your plans when you were in officer were you like always going to say like were you, was there ever a time where you said hey i'm gonna i'm gonna make these plans to get out of here you know um because a lot of the stuff that you're doing sort of shows that you have your mindset somewhere else yeah so like when i like i was born in port winimi which is a small little town right next to Oxnard and um but I grew up in Oxnard I was just like born in that city and you know growing up in Oxnard it's like that's all I knew right like I didn't know anything else they would show you the world map and I was just like cool but I would look at books or whatever but it wasn't until you know when when I got out of high school and I started you know DJing and, and getting into music I started to pay attention to a lot of the uh, the artists that were coming out of LA, underground artists, hip hop artists from New York, the East Coast. So I started to learn about the the different styles of music that was coming out. And I mean, I was a big hip hop fan and in high school also skateboarding. So with skateboarding, it was a big introduction with music with, and with the videos that I would see. And also like rock scene, like a lot of different things I was being exposed to. But when I would look at my town, I would be like, like, man, not, not nothing much is going on until I started to come across uh, uh, like Mad Lib and Loop Pack and that DJ Babu, people that were on Stone's Throw. And when I would read like that they're from Oxnard and this and that, I would be super excited. And I'd be like, where are these guys at? But then later it's like, oh man, they're, they're like in LA or... Or some of them are still here, but Anderson Pack. Yeah, like well now it's yeah like, Anderson it's, Pack. It's, it's, it's nuts, right? He named his album Oxnard. <laughs> yeah, but at the time it's like um, I was I was like just being educated with all this stuff, and um, and little by little we would have um, when I started meeting people they would have shows like just small little show local shows, but the artists from LA would show up. They would book them and perform, and that was exciting. You know, I'd be buying their CDs if they had vinyl, whatever merch. And little by little, I wanted to explore more LA, right? So then um, I was already driving at that time. And then I would tell my friends like, yo, let's go to LA, but where? And, and I mean, we would just take a drive and, and we wanted to hit record stores. So I remember somebody told us like, like yeah, there's, a, there's Fat Beats. And we're like, all right, cool. So we went to Fat Beats and I had never gone to a store like that, you know? And I remember, after that, we got addicted like every week going in there buying records and records and just spending all our money. Then we started to go Aaron's Records and Omiba. So we started to notice that we were beating on stop. We were always like in the Hollywood area of LA. And um, and then little by little, um, you know, there'd be shows in like downtown LA and stuff like just like small little underground shows. So we were kind of like, man, this is like stuff they do in the movies. You know what I mean? Like it, it was like, I. <laughs> Like, I remember watching, uh, you know, like, Blood In, Blood Out. Yeah. I mean, you see all these movies, and, and like, I'm always like, man, where's the river bottom? Where's the, the Sixth Street Bridge? You know? I want to go under so there. It's iconic. It, it, it's yeah. funny because 
you know, being from LA all my life and you start to take for granted certain of these things, like Sixth Street Bridge. You know, like a lot of the other bridges that were around and now are gone and they're rebuilding them. Even the LA River, it's like, mm-hmm. I've been there so many times on yeah. a bike, just walking, taking pictures, watching people spray paint. And it's like, you know, another spot. But when people go, like when I bring people to LA and they see that, they're like, oh my God, this is crazy. That's in this, in this other thing, in this other movie. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but so that sort of started leading you into the world of DJ. Yeah. So, so with, with the whole, like the music thing was a big part, right? Um, DJing. And then, and then with my friends, we were always, I mean, we were buying the records in LA, but we would be playing them back home. Ah. Right. Back in Oxnard. So you were the cool kids and from then, Oxnard. Yeah, and then it was like, where'd you get that record or the stores? And we're already like telling people where to go and this and that. So whenever there was like a local event, we were excited. Like we all yeah. wanted to get our little time slot nice. to play our records. Yeah. You know, and um, eventually I was like falling more and more in love with instrumental music and the beats and, and just getting into being fanatics, you know, with my friends with of producers, which later when you know, um, there was a there's a guitar center in Oxnard yeah. as well. We started buying like you know production equipment and whatnot, and everybody started to kind of like dabble into production. Whatever, if anybody learned something, we would share it and kind of just like come together. Like, oh, this is what I learned, how to sequence, how to program. It's really crazy because I mean, I, I hear stories about DJs in LA, and it's never like, oh, we got together, we started sharing. Yeah, it's it, not that common. It, it was like a, a like a tight little niche thing. Yeah. And and then we were like, all right, let's let's like have like a little crew or whatever. Yeah. So we had like a DJ crew. It was called Physical Mechanics, and it was just basically DJing. And then we wanted to produce to later like bring out our stuff, yes. you know, and hopefully one day get it pressed on vinyl. You know, that was like the dream. But the only thing we could do was record like a mix CD yeah. and and things like that. So eventually, like once. Um, little by little people started to kind of not quit but like take a break from it like life just started to happen for some people earlier you know they started their families already or careers and my focus was like you know I just want to this is what I'm into right now and eventually um, when MySpace was around you know in the beginning I remember um, connecting with the homie that was from the UK he also did music He's originally from Greece, but he was living in Manchester, UK. And me and that dude, we were trading music like MP3s for like maybe two, three years. Till eventually one day he tells me, why don't you ever come over here? Why don't you uh, visit um, Manchester, UK? And I was like, nah, what am I going to do over there? Like, Like, what is over there, you know? But he put that thought in my head. And then the more, the more I would think about it, the more I was just like, how much are plane tickets? You know, how much is a round trip or, or what am I going to do? So then, you know, on MySpace, you kind of start adding and following like tons of people. So I started to, to follow like certain producers and artists that were from that, those areas in Manchester. And then eventually it was just one of those things where um, I was already like feeling a little bit more comfortable because I was like, all right, well, at least I got some music that I produce. So if I do meet someone, I'm not like feeling like a poser. Like, oh, check out my MySpace page. Like, I got four tracks on there you can listen to, you know? I don't know. And um, eventually, um, like, something had happened around that time. This had to be, like, 2010. 
um, there was a, like a, a famous known DJ in LA um, goes by the name of Kutma shout outs to him um, he, ended, he ended up getting deported out of you know the states and during that time I mean you know in LA they were they were trying to like help them to, to you know keep them here in the states and whatnot uh, things with like hit and run dub lab all these organizations in LA were, were coming together and I remember at, during that time like meeting them before all that happened right so this is like Kuma was like doing all these things around LA and I remember like seeing him um, at the little temple right and I was like damn this guy's sick like, where's the little temple at? I, I believe um, at that time it was in Santa I think it was on Santa Monica I know I know the where they do dub lab in LA their, their studio it was like underneath or right next door because uh i remember later when i when i started to go to dub lab i realized holy crap this is the, the same place the same place i've been here before like some years back but so he was doing these things or whatever and then i remember meeting him and buying a cd from him but i kept it cool with him you know just like interacting eventually um he started getting me into his gigs like i started just to watch you know so I was like, oh, dope. Now I know somebody from L.A. Yeah. Getting, him in, getting me in for free, you know? Nice, yeah. Eventually, I mean, you know, he ends up getting deported and everything. And then I, I, I was like, you know what? Serato, you know, people are using Serato now with DJing. I was like, let me start sending him music. I started sending him music. and But I'm not telling him, yo, I'm this, I'm this kid that you met that you were getting me. I wasn't saying nothing like that. I was just sending him stuff. He starts replying, yo, like, I'm playing your shit, whatever. Oh shit! And I was like, oh, where, where did he get deported to? Um, to to the UK. Oh nice. Yeah. So I was kind of like, hey, I'm, I'm gonna be going over there. You yeah. Know? You never know. What if I like <laughs> see him now? Yeah. He's gonna be like, what the hell? He probably won't even remember me. Yeah. But at the time, and then finally, I was just like, all right, I'm down. So I end up going over there, and it just opened up my eyes, dude. Like, that was it. Like me going there, I stayed for two weeks, and I linked up with more people. And I was like, I'm going to come back in six months. Like, I'm going to save my money, whatever. And thanks to, like, the help of my parents and the support with the flower shop, they were like, you know, as long as I could work and save up my money and then ask for those weeks off, I can go back type thing, right? I knew, like, I wasn't going to get fired or nothing like that. Yeah. Because it was a family business and I had that support. But by the second time I went, now I was more linked up with more people over there. And, and then now... Um, my music, I wouldn't. I want to say I had more confidence in my music because I saw what they were doing and the styles of music they were doing and the, and the types of production that was very different. That I was like taking all that home, and I wasn't like copying it because I already knew these people. But I was like, I need to create my own kind of style, you know. And eventually, like when I would come back to um, to Oxnard now i felt like this is my music is what's gonna uh, help me get out of this town you know yeah and then eventually i was like people would always say why don't you move to la why don't you move to la and i was always like nah i'm not ready like i'm not i'm not ready you know um and i and i felt like you know like the word oxnard everybody says ox when people say it in, in the songs they make or the way they rep it and then some people like to like just say like 
when you're in ox you're in a box like you're stuck yeah because there's some people that never get out of it like they're there forever like i have some homies who like they have no plans of ever leaving and that's it and Oxen that's it and they're driving the same roads like in a box right like they're stuck that's it no desires no nothing but for me i was more like i need more i need more yeah. like so then the the alias and the music is what you know took me to la san diego san francisco um eventually like to texas but i wasn't really it, it was more like i wanted to go overseas that was more like you know because i felt like my music was making i was getting more of a response out there right in the beginning yeah it wasn't until later um so eventually with with koopma going back to him he starts telling me like like hey i want to i'm interested in two of your songs and i want to do a seven inch record oh shit and i was like what the hell like this is crazy like it's kind of like a full circle kind yeah. of thing it's so weird and i and i remember telling him the story about the thing and then he remembered like you know at first he was like what are you talking about then i told him and, and he remembered and eventually that turned into now uh, like a 12 inch record so it was gonna be a 10 track ep and and it launched in 2013 so three years later it launched on his uh imprint label is with records and i mean from there it was just like whatever dreams that i had in the early 2000s were now becoming a reality and was that the album that had uh, gimme yes yeah so that's one of the songs that it was let's go and gimme were two of the songs that he was interested in to to put out as a seven inch and then later the more i would send him the more he was like now i want this now i want this i want this and then it turned into like you know what we have enough space to fit in like you know three more songs can you make three more songs by then i was i was so like like hungry and everything and ended up just creating a few more songs and completing that project eventually you know more stuff started to happen with other labels um more like features on compilations with these songs and with, with newer songs okay let me play this this one just a yeah. little bit so people Go can hear it Digging in records, coming to LA, going to England, coming back and saying, "Hey, I need to get out of the box." Yeah, dude. I was like, <laughs> th "There's just much. There's there's just a lot out there." Yeah. And the the thing too is during that time, like I remember um, in you know 2010, 2011, um, there was these guys from San Francisco called Laser Sword, and they were just like on this whole another tip. Yeah. Like. It's very, I mean, they were calling it Future Blap at that time, right? Yeah. And it sounds very dated and whatnot, the name and everything. But they, I feel like they were just uh, too far ahead of their time, right? And these guys toured the world and everything. And I remember getting uh, to open up for them in San Francisco at the mezzanine uh, one time. And I mean, I was kind of like tripping, like, like, holy crap, I'm playing in San Francisco. I've always wanted to play here. 
um, and then I had gone to a show before at the mezzanine, but now we're like here, and then um, you know, all, all, just like all these like little things. But at the same time, I was telling myself like, I can't overexcite myself or, or be too fanboyish. Like, let me yeah. just focus on what I'm gonna do and whatnot, and, and you know, let, let me try to put on like a just a set that I'm comfortable with and I'm yeah. I'm gonna be happy with at the end and not yeah. be regretting like, dang, should have done this. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it, it was like. It, it was so weird like all of our friends we all like we all thought that like our circle like we were all gonna make it you know we had this illusion like oh we're all gonna make it together you know yeah. but it wasn't like that like so, you know some guys had to stop and then there was some that just went into different directions like i was going more in the electronic music route yeah my other friends were going more of that like a hip-hop route but they were trying to do more of a like a traditional group you know um couple MCs, DJ and and it, it was almost like even the music they were sounding a little dated that I was kinda like, like it's they're my friends, but it's almost like you know, like dang dude, like I don't think that's gonna work. Yeah. Because it's just the sound wasn't there. Yeah. You know, and then eventually it was almost like um the the friend that was the DJ producer, he realized it, then later he ventured ventured off into his own thing. And then that's when he started to like uh, get more bookings and, and see more of a longevity uh, thing going on for him, you know. And it's tough. I mean, but it was one of those things where where we were, you know, learning. And I mean, we would always get our homies asking, me, "Hey, so how do you do it? How is it that, you know?" Because I asked the same question too. I remember at some point asking the laser sword guys, like being happy and excited for them that they blew up, but wanting to know how do they do it. How yeah. did they get there? And I mean, one of them was just honest with me. And he said, hey, bro, like we've been doing this for a minute, for a long time. Like this is this didn't just happen out of luck and and out of like we just like, yeah, the laser sword name is new to a lot of people. But individually, we've been doing this for more than 10 years and, and all this stuff we've been putting in the work. So then I was like, damn, that's dope. I found that inspiring. And I knew that like every artist out there and person has they have their time they just have to stick with it because i had a lot of friends too that that later that i would meet and we would grow a relationship producing music together and whatnot then later i would notice they would like give up after two years and i always felt like I, I, like if i was like the chill leader being like come on like yeah. cheering them on dude you got this you yeah. got this you know because i had already experienced something that I wanted them to experience it too. I wanted them to travel with me or go on their own or something. But it's almost like they saw it as a fantasy. Like, nah, that's not gonna happen. And they started to doubt themselves. And and I don't know, when you start to doubt yourself and everything, it, it's it's I for mean, sure not gonna happen. And you look at it when you when you when you look at famous DJs that everybody knows, you know, the most common famous DJs. Yeah. A few Latino DJs that are coming out of a small town that are like that's not a reality that we have. The Latinos were just like, your parents are like, how are you gonna make money being a DJ? Yeah. How are you gonna, you know, is that a real job? Is that a real job? You know, mm -hmm. so it's like, I feel like we also have been, had that embedded in us, and it's, like, it's not a tangible thing that they can see. Mm -hmm. We go every day and they give us money for, <laughs> that it's not a real job. Yeah, it's like they, they, they put this like imposter syndrome yeah. in you, 
And then you start doubting yourself. Yeah. And it's so funny because I remember telling my mom and I would be like, hey, mom, why is it that when I would go skateboard, as soon as I'm grabbing my board, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm going to learn this this trick, like a kickflip, let's say. And and I'm going to do it. Today is when I'm going to do it. But when I'm walking out the door, you're like, you're like, you're going to break a leg. And I'm like, oh, like I would get mad, you know? And then later she was just like, no, I was just trying to look out. And I mean, I understand her now, yeah. but at the time I was like pissed because then I would be skating yeah. and I would try to do But the, I, I think trick. that's a fundamental thing that we need to talk about because I feel like Latino parents always have a way to kind of put you in a place where you're like, hey, you know, like you're neglecting your responsibilities or, hey, you know, you're going to break your head if you keep doing that. Yeah. You know, skateboarding. King has the dinero the skateboarding, you know, yeah. like. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we've known Latino and Mexican skateboarders who have made a lot of money, yeah. uh, have their own shoes and, you know, and succeeded. But like, it's always like that thing where like, I think it's because we don't get pushed into these odd fields mm-hmm. that we don't, you know, like if your mom was like, hey, mijo, go make, make sure you make, you learn like two moves today. All right. Like, yeah. I want you to come back like a pro. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd probably be like, oh, hell yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 It's like, it's a, it's the push. It, it's crazy because. You know, I feel like my parents never have never held me back from doing what I want to do. Yeah. They've always uh, like let me get into things. But I know my mom, she's more of a, a worrier. You yeah. know, like she, obviously she's in a worry about me spending money, going out, staying yeah. late, you know, and, and all these things. But and I know the intentions are good. But now that, you know, I'm, I'm older and when yeah. I talk to her, I try to tell her like, I try to explain her certain things and and now she's like she's understanding a lot of things that are going now yeah. that that now she you know now that i have a daughter with six months oh yeah, that's right congratulations oh thank you baby daughter yeah <laughs> um, what's her name uh, nina baby nina yes so um so it's almost like i know i know i'm not gonna you know like try to scare my daughter like, you know, yeah. it's it's more like you got to expose them. You got to educate them on stuff, show them the, uh, like the both sides of things. Yeah. But I know my mom now, her mentality is more like in that positive. Yeah. Like the supportive thing now, you know, yeah. like it, it definitely changed because with me, it was like tougher with my sister. It was lighter. And then my youngest brother, it was super like, light. Yeah. Like, all right. Yeah. All right. Go for it. Go fuck you know? yourself up. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you're good. Cabeza, yeah. 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 I, I feel like. As an older child, I'm an, I'm the oldest too. It's like they they try to like there's so many restrictions that you have to go through and so many things. And Latina moms love you to death, but they don't want nothing to happen to you. Like if anybody's gonna kill you, it's gonna be them. You know, like yeah. <laughs> like if you it's sort of that thing where like they they want you to be fine and they want you to like get a good job and they want they have all these illusions for what you're supposed to be as the eldest. And as the as more kids come, they're just kind of like, ah, as long as he's alive, like that's cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they so ease up. Yeah, they ease up and they just let him do whatever. And, yeah. and that's I remember just like never coming home like too late or, or going crazy, and my brothers would just do whatever they want, and I'd be like, oh, okay, well then, you know, <laughs> so much for that, right? So much for those rules. And now you have a your own child that you're yep. gonna have to pass that on to and be like, don't go out there, Nina. Don't, don't yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually got when I first saw you play. Then I went out looking for you online, and they, you were on some Boiler Room episodes, and you were DJing there. Um, one of the things that really struck me was like this um, this song called Overthrow, Overthrown. I think it was. 
for like uh, H&R group, I think H&R crew. Oh, the Hit and Run crew, yeah. Yeah, and mm -hmm. so I thought it was a it was a really cool song because at that time I was doing a lot of stuff in downtown LA and I was shooting a lot of dark stuff. Yeah. And learning how to shoot some video stuff and uh, doing a lot of light photography and light video. And I was just like, I saw this video of this guy posting something you know, underneath a bridge and some lights coming in and out. And he had a really dark music on it. And then, then I saw your overtone one and I thought it was pretty cool because it reminded me a lot of like Tristan and like um, Trust and all those synth bands, you know, like that, that play really hard, deep music. Mm -hmm. And then when I heard you play, I was like, oh, this is, this is a pretty good style. Um, what, uh, what was the trajectory from there? Like, did you feel like you needed to keep sort of in the same path or did you want to mix in different flavors and bring different hip hop in? I mean, I'm really down with this very deep and synth sort of, I wouldn't even call it industrial, but it has like a very like metallic sort of feel to it. Yeah. Um, did you ever feel like you needed to do something else to make everybody happy and make that money? Well, I, I was more, um, you know, after doing the, uh, like the Is With project and, and all these other projects that were just, everything was like heavy drums and drums and drums. I got to a point where it was almost like when I would turn on my program to create a, a song, I was like starting to get bored because I was almost grabbing the same drums or, yeah. or I, I would end up doing the same kind of sequence. Yeah. And I was like, like just not feeling it. But then I started to, um, I've always been a, a fan, you know, of sounds with synth and, and movie soundtracks, you know, and, and I was like, you know, I want to do something different. You know, I, I was uh, buying a lot of ambient records too and getting very into like IDM music and just different electronic music that would just be just sounds. Or And then I had some friends that were um, doing a lot of experimental noise too so all these like little things were were just like interesting that i was kind of like i'll buy this record because i know this dude you know he he had a dream and he had a shot and you know maybe i don't know if it was successful or not but he has a pressing to me he made it and but no one's playing this no one even wants to hear this probably because yeah. it's just a bunch of noise or whatever and then eventually like i remember um like there was a time like during that time dude i don't even think i had a car because um i ended up the, the some dude ended up hitting me and it totaled the car mm. so i remember being at home for like three months and not really going anywhere because i was still kind of jacked up yeah. from the thing but i was kind of like i don't even want people to even know that i don't have a car you know yeah because i feel like dang i don't got a car like i can't go nowhere yeah you know i felt like a loser kind of thing so, but I remember just like setting in the, the mood in the room, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. the lights really low, whatever. And then I have my headphones on and then I just start like, uh, had a, a MIDI keyboard and I was just playing all the, the keys and then just adding effects. Eventually, like the sounds started to come in. Now I felt like it was more like, uh, like my emotion or soul that was like speaking through these sounds. So I was just hitting record. And, and I would, you know, record like a session. Um, let's say, and I would just say, oh, this is like a track. I'm gonna edit it and this is gonna be a track. So then eventually it just turned into like, I wanna go for 10 tracks. And then I just started like recording and each one I would record, I wasn't like, 
oh, this one sucks, or I don't like this one, let me do again. I was just like, nah, I'm just gonna keep going, going. And I didn't know if they sucked or not, you know? Um, Cause I wasn't trying to put myself down or nothing like that on that. But also I wasn't showing these to anybody. I was just keeping them for myself. And then eventually um, I was like, the more I would listen to them and I would listen to the sequence of each song, I started to compile them in a way where in my head it was like a movie being played. And and then from there I was like, every time I heard it, I always visualized like, like this is what's happening here, this is what's happening here in this scene. And eventually I sent it to uh, Brandy from Hit and Run. And I mean, he, he loved what he heard and he was like, hey, um, like, let's put this out. You know, he wanted to put it out and I was like, dude, that's cool, let's do it. I mean, I love Hit and Run, I love Brandy. So I was like, like, he's such a cool dude. Like, why not, man? Like, he's always had my back. So that came out and for some people, it, it kind of, I think it threw off some people because they were expecting like beats and, and all this other stuff. But I know that there was other people that I feel like they were new to my music now because of that. Like it, it attracted another uh, listening crowd that was kind of cool. That just kind of like it, then it, it introduced them to my older stuff. But that was a fun project. Yeah, right I, uh, I, it's funny too because I mean, I'm glad that you're here and that I can play your music and I don't have to pay people because usually like I like to play music and I, I know that I could uh, I get screwed over by uh, by copyright yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah uh, I mean it's interesting because if you guys ever want to listen to Eskar stuff he's on uh, YouTube yeah, I got some stuff on YouTube, but um, if you go on Bandcamp.com, Bandcamp. are you on Spotify? Escar, there is the the the, the Iswid release is on there. Okay, that's four yeah. songs. Um, that's a that's a ten song EP, but I don't, I'm not sure if the full EP. It might just be yeah, the four or six songs that are on there mm -hmm. from that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so weird. Like like I have all these other songs that I would be like, oh, I want to put them on Spotify, but it doesn't work like that. Like you have to put out a release. Um, through iTunes and uh, or see, I, don't know, I can't remember the other one but that's kind of the only way you can get on Spotify yeah you know it, it has to be done like a legit way to, to get on to there. get on there yes okay um, so there's a there's a new there's this new songs that I've seen on your uh, Instagram I mean on your um, your YouTube and uh, I wanted to ask you about I think these were released. Am I right to say that these were released last year in August? Um, or did you upload them last year? I might have just uploaded them. It depends. When I hear them, yeah, <laughs> I might be able to there's tell you. A, there's one called Media Noche, which okay. is Midnight. Yes. And then another one that you have is called Nico uh, or oh, Inicio. Inicio. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right, I got a story. I'm all, about I'm all like anglified. <laughs> Inico? <laughs> Inico. Inico. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what, what, was this a record that you had worked on a long time ago? Or? So, so, the, um, so that, that was a, like a digital uh, track. I would say it's a three track EP that I put out on uh, Bandcamp. Mm -hmm. And so in that time, I had gone to Mexico with my family because. Um, we would back then we would go every year together as a family in December to see all my father's relatives and they live in a 
in a small town there in uh, Michoacan called Bellas Fuentes. It's right next to Zacapo. In order to get there, you got to land in Morelia, and it's like an hour drive, and bam, you're there. But um, in the small town, during that time, um, it was like, there wasn't too much. I mean, there's really no crazy, like, crime or whatever in that little town. Mm -hmm. They don't even have police in that little town, or like a little precinct or anything like that. But there is, like, let's say like in the county yeah like in one of the bigger cities i mean they do have like police officials and, and there's curfews for sure like if they see you out you know past midnight or whatever this is a small town they'll pick you up and they'll just take you like it's not like hey let's check id or where are you guys yeah, going nah right. it's like they pull up and it's like yo get in like we gotta swoop you because it's almost like a little scam. Yeah. The way they get you is you stay the night yeah. or whatever. And then um, obviously, like if the parents or the family is like, oh, no, it's done. Yeah. They know, no, 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 no. And then they got to go bail you out. And yeah, then that's so what they're making their ends. All money. Yeah. So um, I remember for that one call, that's why I call it Medianoche. Yeah. And I remember visiting a cousin who lived, like we were in the same town, but on the other side, there's maybe like a 15 minute um walk yeah to get to back to my house uh-huh. and like they don't really have cars you know you just gotta walk or you ride a bike or they, yeah. they got like a little motorcycle or whatever but i remember my cousin being like he kept looking at the clock and he's like yo you gotta go home and i'm like dude we're having a good time yeah. like let's just kick it so i remember like kicking it with them and finally we reached midnight it was like medianoche it was like oh damn and i was like all right, dude, now I'm going to bounce. I got to go. Let me play this. Then. Go. Okay. That's super ominous. <laughs> You're like, I gotta go. Oh damn! It's midnight. But, yeah, dude. And uh, I remember just walking. Yeah. And um, so I'm, I'm walking, and eventually, there's a part where you're getting to the midsection. Uh-huh. So the on one end is el está el panteón. So you're, you're, you have to walk. What's a panteón in, in, in English? The cemetery. Cemetery. So you gotta pass the cemetery, and the cemeteries over they're very gaudy. Like yeah, they're not crosses, like here. Yeah, yeah. tombstones, slide sideways, <laughs> like all these things, right? And then you hear all these stories that that like que te asustan, que hay fantasmas, there, there's also ghosts. Like, there's a lot of uh, structures, like small structures. Yeah, like yeah, little buildings, yeah. little things. It's almost like if you ever go to Louisiana. Um, most of the burial things is above ground because it would flood in, in you know most of the country in america there's it's either a mausoleum or it's on the ground yeah but there's never little structures that are made for that only if the, the people are super rich but over there there's so many structures yeah and sometimes they're built poorly so the crosses tend to like sag and, and then it's just just to look more creepy yeah as you see it you're like oh yeah and then you hear stories like that it rained so hard it flooded and now the, the bodies cas- come up the yeah. s- caskets popped up so, so I'm like, oh man, I gotta cross through here first. 
cool. <laughs> By yourself, there's only like, you know, there's really not good lighting either yeah. on these streets. Of course. So I'm like just walking and there's like no cars. There's like no, like, like you don't hear nothing, dude. Not even dogs, you know, they're not even barking. Because <laughs> they're all gone. Yeah, they're all at home, you know. Like, fuck they're, that, it's midnight. Yeah, they're tucked yeah. away. So I remember just walking, walking, and then the midsection you get to the, the lago. Oh, there's shit. like there's the placita, uh-huh. and then there's the like the lago, right? During the, the day, little lake. Yeah, it's all fun and games yeah. and all that. You know, yeah. everyone's splashing Yay. away. It's all fun. But when it's at night, it's like it's a whole different vibe, dude. Because through the years, you know, they there's all these stories that you know that some dude was like people that are drunk, they've fallen in, they've drowned, that cars have. Uh, spun out of control and they've you know crashed and they end up in there they found the car like days later I don't know all these crazy things so as you're walking all these stories start popping in your head you know and I'm like thank you dog man I just want to get home it it starts to make sense because I was listening to the the next one the Inicio Mm -hmm. and I thought it was kind of like it kind of follows up at the same. I was like, yo, this dude was like really going through some stuff but now I'm like I'm like that must have been a terrifying fucking ass walk because you were like getting really deep with these songs That is the scariest soundtrack to a walk ever. If you see the cover, that's that's the plaza right there. Oh. <laughs> you guys go but, on, on YouTube and but. do the SCAR and put Inicio, which is I-N-I-C-I-O. Um, you, you'll see the picture of this plaza. I, I thought it was a really cool picture that you added. I didn't know it was the actual plaza there, but that's a, no. that's a terrifying ass soundtrack and, to a walk. And I'm walking and I'm like, all right, cool. So I passed the Lago. I'm like... I'm just like a block away, you know? Um, wh- what's next, you know? And then I'm thinking like, the ne- I'm either gonna cr- come across like a crowd of people who might be faded or, uh-huh. you know, try to be like, what's up, you know? Yeah. Um, not not like cholos or nothing like yeah. that. Just, just random people, you know? So at this time, are you thinking like, I hope the police come and get me? Nah, not even <laughs> that. I'm just trying to get home. And, and, um, ne- and next thing you know, I see in the distance a truck coming through and, and you see just like the lights like every time they hit a speed like a the bump lights up and down. the lights up and down up and down I'm like oh dang and I keep looking and looking and it, I mean it's getting closer um, eventually I could see um, you know like a, you could see a couple people like in the back of the bed of the truck and I'm like, that's the like that's, the, that's cops. the cops I'm like dang I gotta get out I gotta split yeah. so I start running fast like towards them because I, I have to reach the block to turn oh okay. but it's in that direction and they're coming towards so me you, you started playing chicken with the truck well I mean there's still like a distance <laughs> okay. but I'm thinking like if they can see me they're yeah. just gonna gun it and come after me especially yeah. if they see me running yeah and I just start sprinting like quick dude and then I end up like turning and I could hear it like speeding up too yeah. and I'm like damn so then I just remember um doing a couple turns and then I, ha- I good thing my my uh grandparents they have like a like a little like section plot of land like um man what do they call it but 
it's like they're the houses and, and then they just have like a, like a spot right it's almost like they keep livestock and just yeah, like yeah. storage or whatever so i ended up just hopping like the 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 wall that's made out of rocks yeah. or whatever and the popping that and i just chilled in there and they were cruising dude like they were cruising around like trying to like see where i went yeah and i was there for probably like 30 minutes Dang. And I was like, man, this sucks. It's cold. Like they're still they're still driving around. Yeah, I should have listened to my cousin. You know, you should have played them this song, and, and then they would have been like, let's get the fuck out of here. No, nah, well, <laughs> I ended up like finally. I was like, you know what? I'm tired. I'm going home. Yeah. If something, whatever, you know. Yeah. And nah, I just you know I walked. I finally got there to the house. I came in, and you know by then it was already you know probably like one or gonna be one, and then. I just chilled and I couldn't sleep. It's almost like my adrenaline was up, yeah. and I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And then that's when um, I brought I brought my laptop with me, and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just gonna make that. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to record some stuff, yeah. you know, while I'm here and whatnot. And because I started listening to music, but it wasn't the same. Like I felt like I needed to record, like to let it out. It was almost like my way of, of writing what I was feeling or going through on a notepad kind of yeah. thing, yeah. or like a diary. Oh. But nah. <laughs> but um, I just I don't know, man. I just started like recording there's stuff. There's different things that influence us at, at like crazy moments that kind of get us to a certain point. Yeah, you know, I, I I remember just like being in situations where I was like, oh, I need to do something with this, you know? and I think this is the perfect example of like having an experience and then turning it into something. I mean, I think a lot of it sounds it sounds like a soundtrack to something. And, uh, you know, every song by itself can stand by itself, and it's great. But, I mean, I, I'd love to see this on, like, a movie. And, and maybe it's the era that we're living in, because, like, my girlfriend, maybe, like, you know, your lady, they watch a lot of murder stuff. And so, like, I'm yeah. always, like, I'm always, like, man, this is a creepy song. You know, and it gets yeah. it all excited. And maybe the situation is not as creepy as the music is, but, like, the music does help create some kind of, yeah, you know, moment in time where you're, like, crap and so i feel like listening to the songs i was like man this is there's a lot of weight to them yeah it's like they they enhance the story yeah and know? they also inherit some of the mood that you were in when you made it you know yeah you brought that out um but going with that you know and and i'm hoping to get one of those escar shirts and stuff like that yeah i saw your shirts on you know if you guys <laughs> go to his uh, his page you'll see a lot of the merch up there you can also purchase that um but let's talk about merch and purchasing stuff uh, let's move on from there. What is Scale Writers? Yeah, so uh, Scale Writers is uh, an imprint company that I started back in 2017. Um, so when I was a kid, I was, uh, you know, into model cars. But I was very exposed to lowriders. Like, that's always been, in, like, in my heart. Was that know? big in Oxner? Um, it was, because there, there was car clubs, La Gente, and all these ones in Ventura County. Um, and I mean, when I started to see lowriders, I was just like, oh my God, like, you know, the hobby, everything, you know, but I fell in love with Impalas. That was always like the, the thing. And then especially like going back to like, you know, movies that were being made out here or like, or like Mi Vida Loca and all that. Yeah. They would show like the mini trucks and, and, and some of the bombs and all this stuff. I was very intrigued. I wanted to see anything that had a lowrider. So going to the model cars, they would do Impala kits. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to build a dope little lawyer, whatever, paint job. So at the time, I was buying a lot of lawyer magazines, lawyer bicycle magazines. And there was this famous car from Salinas, uh, from an, 
can't remember the artist's name right now, but he created, uh, uh, it's a 1964 Impala called Local 64, which is like a very iconic car in the lowrider scene. And it's, it's one of these cars that's, con it's called a radical where pretty much like the doors open up suicide um, the hood opens, but then even the front fenders fold forward. So for those that um, don't understand and don't know about lowriders, what is what happens when the doors open suicide? So I mean, they open the opposite way. Yes, the opposite way. So everything's like backwards. Like instead of a trunk opening regular, when it opens up backwards, it, they, it's called suicide. And you know, seeing all this stuff, right? So then I had the magazine that had the original car, local '64, but then. Um, flipping through Lowrider Bicycle Magazine. I mean, they did Lowrider Bicycle Magazine for the like for the kids, right? Yeah. But there was a section for the model cars, and I was like, "Wow, this is cool." <laughs> so I would like. I like how you got out quite. Yeah. So, so I'd be in my car. So like, I would go. I would uh, go to the liquor store and, and buy the magazine, but I wouldn't really want to show it, you know, to my mom who bought it. Yeah. It was like, "Oh, this one, los cholos, no, 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 no." And then I would be like looking at the pages for hours, dude. And all of a sudden, this guy made a model car replica of that car. Of that car, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And I cut out the page. I put, I had it up on my wall, and and it said "Local 64," and it also said the name Armando Flores. And I was like, "Armando Flores, like cool, you know?" Yeah. And and I and like I every time I went into my room, I would say that name or read it in my head, mm -hmm. you know. So then. Whatever magazines I would buy, I would get them. Eventually, um, I got into high school, you know, and then that's, I just stopped building models. You know, all my friends were kind of like, oh, like, you know, it, it, they almost made it seem like that was for kids, you know? Yeah. Like, we're grownups now. Yeah. We're into skateboarding and into girls. And, and look at you, you're into models, you know? And I was like, dang, I gotta, I gotta stop the models, you know? I gotta stop. So then, eventually, time passed, and, um, during this whole like you know doing music and, and all that and like i started to notice you know the, the music started to kind of die out i wasn't as into it anymore you know yeah. for a while i was like i need to take a break yeah next thing you know i visit my parents and i find uh, an impala model kit that i left in the garage that i never built oh. and i opened it and i was like oh dang it's still new you know it's like jumanji where yeah dude box and you were like, i was like it was gonna take me back to a kid you know yeah i was like dude this is dope so then I re realized, wait a minute, there's a box in here with my old kids that I did build. And you find it, so I ended up finding it, dude. And I was like, dang, you know, it was like Pulp Fiction opening the briefcase, yeah. and there's a light, and I was like, oh my God. So then, um, at this time, I mean, Instagram was already popping off, uh, but this is before hashtags, before the DMs and all that. Yeah. So I was on there, I started following people, and I was like, man, like, oh, wow, I found some other people that do model cars. So I was like, you know what? I'm older now. Now I can buy paint. Because before, I would have to ask my dad because they wouldn't sell paint to minors, you know? You had to be 18 to buy paint at Walmart or even the hobby store. They wouldn't sell it to you because, you know, tagging was big back then. Yeah. So they knew how this was going to go. I also remember, like, going in because model cars were really big when I was in junior high. And somebody, like, selling me at low rate of the big I mean, people got, especially Latino kids, they used to build these model cars that even would have hydraulics that would go up and down. Yep, the I remember going into the model shop store and they wouldn't sell me glue. Dang. 
Because I guess fools would just like put it inside a, a sock and then huff it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I had no idea. And like, I didn't even know that. So I was like, why can't I buy glue? And he goes, gee, because you little kids are going to huff it. And I was yeah. like, what do you mean? And they're like, you know, you put it in the. And he explained it to me. And I was like, oh, okay. And he goes, oh, shit. Did I just tell you how to do it? I yeah. was like, yeah, I never knew how to do that. Yeah. And he's like, never mind. Dang. Yeah, dude. And, and it was one of those things where this was 2015 and I was like, all right, cool. You know, I'm doing this stuff and now I have, I have everything to my advantage. I could go on the internet, I could go on YouTube. I could like educate myself on how to build a dope model because this already has to be on another level, yeah. you know? Um, because the last time it was like 96 or 97 when it, when it was like at a level, but then there wasn't really technology yeah. and aftermarket products as much as what it is now. Yeah. So little by little, uh, within two years I end up meeting my model car hero oh. and who who is that Armando Flores all right the guy Full circle the guy who I had his picture on the wall of his car all this time I end up meeting him and he and here's the here's the thing so I, I follow him on Instagram and he's still cranking out models this dude's never to stopped this day. He's still, and he's like a pioneer. He's like on a whole nother level, you know? Yeah. Like at the time he was already advanced on another level, but but now it's like on steroids, on like a crazy level, yeah. the pink game, everything, yeah. right? So then um, he starts following me back and I'm like, like starstruck, like, oh my God, yeah. like he's following me. So eventually um, I end up posting something. Well, I went to a hobby store in, um, in Burbank, California and I bought some, some materials and stuff. Yeah. He comments, "Oh, you were out here. Why didn't you hit? Why didn't you tell me? You should come visit my house. Oh, shit. see my studio. I'm like, what? For real? I couldn't believe it. And the boy to his house. Like a week later, I told him I'm gonna be back the next week. But here, here's the thing. Going that day when I went to visit him was was around the same time when I was like, I I think that was the second time going to like Alhambra." Uh, where I'm living at now, <laughs> which is like kind of crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, cool, man. I'm here. Yeah. I was just tripping out, looking at all the cars. And what does he bust out with? The local 64. Hey. He still has it. And he's like, check it out. And he's like, like here. Like he wanted me to hold it. Like, you know, like he's like, put your phone, I'll, I'll yeah. set it. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm scared I'm going to drop it. Yeah. He's like, no, no, no. I was like, dude, I'll just admire just looking at it from yeah. right here. This is crazy. This is what I saw as a kid. Yeah. Right. Wow. So, we um two week two weeks later he he invite, he tells me hey um I'm gonna go to this like meeting for these other car modelers you wanna like hang out I'm like yeah sure he's up but let me find out first if it's cool you know they come. this is some serious stuff you know he has to ask for permission yeah. like what the hell stay in your circle next thing you know I start to notice oh man this thing's deep like. As, as much as I thought. So I started meeting other people. And then next thing you know, um, out in the city of industry, there's this huge event that he ends up throwing, like collaborating with these people, but he ends up throwing this big thing. And he basically collaborating with other car modelers. They created a Whittier Boulevard where they have the arch and where all the cars were cruising. A model of, a model of Whittier Boulevard. Yes. So every, oh. so I would say more than a hundred cars, maybe 200 cars. I don't know. But they were all lined up. I'm gonna have to show you photos. So for those for those that don't know, in real life, Whittier Boulevard in 
the city of Whittier, right off the freeway, is the beginning of where most people start to cruise. Cruising, of course, was a big deal before. Back in the day, still maybe still is now. They kind of, uh, I, I want to say, uh, I think the city's kind of like they, yeah, a little harder for them to cruise now. Yeah, but you would like when we when I went when I was younger, we went to go meet girls and you know throw our numbers in, into the windows yeah. to the cars and like hey call me and like oh let's you know let's let's stop here by the liquor store and like talk. Uh, but then fools would go there and flex. They would show up with their lowriders and they would show like the best cars. Um, eventually, you know, that got shut down and now they do like these car shows where they don't cruise around, but they just kind of park around Whittier Boulevard. But you're saying they made a model of Whittier. That's yes. insane. So they end up creating tiny, like 124 scale little buildings and whatnot. And then um, uh, one of our friends, he, he's like a modeler. Uh, he also does RCs. Really famous guy from Amsterdam ends up designing the arch. And then um, Armando Flores gets it um, like lasered, like created, right? All yeah. these crazy things. And I mean, this is all hitting me like new. I'm going like, oh my God, I'm, I'm meeting all these guys, all these guys that were in the magazines when yeah. I was a kid that I was buying. They're there. They're here. And now I'm starting to get to know them. Eventually, um, Armando starts telling me, right now I'm in the process and I'm working on another replica. I'm like, all right, what are you working on? He's like, I'm working on the world famous Gypsy Rose. I'm like, what? So then he's like, come through, you know, even though I had already been to his pad, yeah. but, it, he, but he, he was very humble. He wasn't like trying to like, like show off everything. He was very, yeah. re really chill. Yeah. Like showing me this, showing me that. Yeah, yeah. And then he's just like, by the time I came again and I saw what he was doing, I was just blown away. Like, dude, you're, you're doing it again, but now you're doing it like in this year, you know, yeah. this era. Yeah. You know, and um, and I was just tripping out. So eventually he tells me, I'm going to debut this car in Japan. I'm going to Japan in November, December for the Moon Eyes event. And the more he talked about Japan, the more I was like, man, I've always wanted to go to Japan. I thought music was going to take me to Japan. Yeah. And that, that didn't happen. But in my head, I was like, I think car models are going to take me to Japan. So oh, then shit. I told, I just like threw it out there and I was like, like, you got room for one more? Like, can I go? And he's like, let's go. And then he started to tell me when he was going to go, this and that. And then he's like, he's like, yeah, you're, you're going. I'm like, all right. So did go. you take a car? Well, I didn't have a car, right? Uh -huh. Like, I didn't have no model cars. At that time, I was really learning how to paint. Uh -huh. I had an airbrush, like custom painting and all yeah. this stuff. I was really learning all that stuff. So then one of the guys is like, Hey, um, I'm reserving four tables for the show in Japan, and and it's it's showcase slash like competing. You want me to reserve you one of the spots? And I was like, and I didn't have a car, so I was like, yeah, yeah, just reserve it, reserve it. And we were and we were gonna leave like I think it was gonna be like in four or six months from now. Yeah, you know. So I said, do it. So he ends up doing it, reserving it, and then you know he later paid for the spot and everything. And I'm just thinking like, dang, like I don't even have a car. Yeah, come up with the car. So I come up with the car. So I go, I'm gonna do a 1967 Impala, and and then you know I started going over to his house all the time, kind of like he's working on his thing, I'm working on mine, and then I'd go home and I'd work on my thing, giving updates. And, and you start to realize how serious this is. Everything from the wheels, 
but the paint job, the presentation, just the way everything to the point where even he even was nice enough to get me hooked up to be able to get the plastic pieces in the kit chrome plated. Like how people get like their bump when their bumpers are rusted yeah, and they get, them, they, fixed, get they send them to Chromer. Yeah. So I had tiny little chrome parts that put a lot of weight on my car now. And it was one of these things where um, I was excited about Japan, but I was more worried about the car. Yeah. I gotta I gotta do this. I gotta like prove I gotta, myself. Yeah. That you can't just go up there for me. Yeah. And, and it's it's a trip because Japan is huge on lowrider culture yeah. and Chicano culture, period, too. To me, I, I when I first learned that they were into lowriders, I thought, well, you know, it makes sense because, you know, Japanese cars, the old Hondas, the S800s and the 600s are super popular in England and even here. And they're sort of coveted because they're like unique looking cars that like were made for like the gangsters and stuff. But I didn't know that they were really big on lowrider cars because they were also big on the culture until I started to watch, you know, um, these Japanese dudes with like Cortezes on and like <laughs> yeah. you know, Dickies and Raider stuff and like tattoos that look like straight out of jail tattoos and like Chola Japanese women singing. Yep, <laughs> and yep. it's like it's a trip. So model cars, I guess, would be like the next yeah. thing, right? That yep. would hit there because there's a whole store down there that sells... I, I kid you not, that looks like a booth at the Slauson swap meet or any swap meet in the hood where people would buy like white tees and bandanas and things. Yeah, yeah. That's what the store in Japan looks like. And it's a trip that they have. Yeah, they have they have so much stuff. And I mean, when I went to when I was in Japan with him, like there was a point where we went to set up already our, our stuff. Right. And then we had to go back to our hotel room because the next day was the day of the show. But one of the things was, it hit me when I was walking with him and the other guys that we were with, I realized, damn, these are the guys who like, I idolized as a kid, right? And also other people, but I'm, I'm like hanging out with them. I'm walking with them. Like, it's like they accepted me, right? Yeah, you were one of them. Yeah, and it was just like a, a really crazy feeling. And, and at the time I started to think like, all right, well, in the model scene, this is fun and all, but there's a lot of things missing because I already come from, like I already have a background with skateboarding, with that scene, uh, with the music scene. And I was like, but as far as referring to that, it's more, all that has outlets, you know? There's YouTube channels, there's podcasts, there's just a lot of attention for that. But with modeling, I was like, there's no attention to this. Yeah. It's only like us right here and whatever we share on Instagram. But, yeah. But there's really not, there's no platform, you know? And then I was like, you know what? I wish everybody can share like or experience what I'm experiencing here. Mm -hmm. So then I just started to film and, and photograph and document everything that was happening on that trip, right? So then when I came back to the States, or when I was in Japan, I told myself, you know what? I should start something. I should start like a brand, a company, something that like showcases all these model dudes. Cause yeah. A lot of them, they're very humble and they don't really like to like brag about what they're doing, you know? And I mean, there's some guys that have egos, but then, but it, it could only go so far as yeah, much yeah, as you yeah, can yeah. show your car. So I said, you know what? How about I show their car? Yeah. How about I talk about their cars? And then when I came back, I started talking about Japan a lot. I started saying all this stuff. I was blown away from all the hobby stores 
how insane they are with like tools and everything, kits, everything, right? Um, how obsessed they are with video games. Um, like you could go to uh, Akihabara and the whole thing's like building of Sega, you know, and each oh, floor wow. is like video games. It's like, it's insane. Yeah. So it, I was just like, I'm being exposed to this other world now. Yeah. And when I came back, I was just like, I'm going to start putting scale writers together. And is this how the podcast came about? Yeah. So, so once, you know, everything was like in motion now with photos and showing video clips. Yeah. Then I realized I need to start interviewing these people yeah. because um, someone needs to hear their story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it's a trip because I saw some of the, the episodes and, you know, in one of the podcasts, you were, you were talking to a guy in Australia. Yes. Yeah. Home I mean, Casey. Yeah. It's like, there's like so many, it's just almost like there's a whole hidden underground modeling, like building kind of like association. That, like, yeah. There's so many people everywhere. There, dude, it's, it's, it's so huge now though. And like, it's crazy. I saw one, one episode where, where one guy got two out of hand and the engine looked literally real. Yeah. And I was just like, there was so much detail in the engine where I was like, bro, what, what are you going to do? Like, yeah. how much more are you going to put into this thing that looked like a, like, and it, you know, it looked great. I mean, I don't even think the car that I have, like, looks like the engine looks as real as the one in that model car. Um, but from that podcast, you started an online store? Yeah. So then, you know, with podcasting, I started to build relationships and interviewing people. And I mean, I've always been big on tools with my, because there was a lot of questions that were asked because when I was in Japan, I bought a lot of J Japanese tools and I brought them home oh. and that's all I started to use. And is it not things you can't get here at the time? It was hard to get that stuff in. There wasn't a lot of stores offering. Anything. So a lot of friends had questions for me. They were like, man, how, how are you? How'd you do that so fast? Like in a way, like, like I felt like I was advancing kind of quick. And I mean, I do have to say a lot of it, the advantage I had is obviously because of Armando Flores. I mean, yeah. he was showing me stuff. He was saving me years, yeah. you know, like this is how you do this, this is how you do that. I mean, he was doing it and, when you were a kid. He was a master yeah, then. Yep. <laughs> so it, it was one of those things where, you know, I would say, well, you know, this is what I've learned, but also I would say it has a lot to do with the right, you have to use the right tools for the right job. Yeah. And eventually from the interviews, later people would ask me like where do you get those tools or this and that so i would always say hey this store right here this store right here so i was pointing people in directions of where to get what yeah. but the thing is the tools were kind of like in different areas uh. so then time passed and i interviewed a friend um he, he's a friend of mine from florida who has a company called tropical glitz and he sells metal flake and automotive products to do customize what's metal flake metal flake is pretty much uh the flake uh some people will call it let's say glitter mm -hmm. but it's it's just the metal flake that that is like you know painted on a car so it gets With, added to the paint yes so so you'll add let's say a foundation let's say you add like silver uh, and then you you spray flake over that and then over that you can shoot like a, a clear candy color mm -hmm. so then once it gets clear coated and that car is driving and the sun's hitting it, you're gonna see just the shimmer sparkle nice. in the car. And you're gonna be like, what, what, what is that? You know? But it's yeah. it's it's the flake, the silver like metal. Yeah, Lowriders are really yes, yeah, yeah, and then also like custom cars, um, and um, and it was just one of these things where where I was just like, 
man, you know, talking with 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 my friend Manny from Tropical Glitz, he started his own company, and he told me like like hey, um, why don't you start your own company selling tools? Because I always see you talk about them and like use them and whatnot. You know, I was like, you know what? You're right. I've been kind of thinking about that. Eventually, um, I kind of didn't do it because I was like, who am I going to hit up? Like, how am I going to start yeah. this? Like, what, the distributors? Like, I don't know anything about this stuff. So then, finally, I'm going to say, like, when I was getting close to, like, my daughter, you know, when my fiance was pregnant, like, before my daughter was being born, I was like, thinking about I gotta think about my future I gotta think about okay yes I work for my family business but what's after that you know at some point that's gonna come to an end too you know what am I gonna do like yes I can you know work out a job but I'm gonna I know I'm gonna end up doing something I hate right that I'm just gonna be miserable or whatever but at the same time I want to be in my daughter's life I want to be home you know do all these things and, and I'll, I'll do that stuff so then I started to like think, really think about it. And so as I'm thinking about all this, I, I always go to my mentors, you know, um, Armando Flores, he's one of them. He's one of my mentors. Um, you know, my father is also one of my mentors. And then um, I also have another, another friend who um, lives in uh, New Jersey. He goes by the name of, he's a model builder called Vision 124, his name's George. He's another mentor and he, he's like a, a couple years older than me, but I just, I always feel good when I talk to, you know, them and I kind of lay out like what's going on. And, and all of a sudden all these light switches start turning on my head. And now I have a clear view of what I need to do. So then I was like, all right, um, COVID, you know, this pandemic thing's popping up. Obviously we got to stay home. Uh, what is there? What, is, what are all my friends doing? They're either making music or they're working on a project like a model car, right? So then I was like, I think this would be the right time to do something like this. Why not take the risk? Yeah. I have some money saved up in my savings. You know, I'm not I'm not going out. I'm not spending my money on stuff. Stores are closed. I'm really not ordering online right now because I don't I don't I, I wasn't really feeling it. But I was just like, I'm gonna do it. And then and then I just said I'm gonna I'm gonna launch. I'm gonna transition into a, a tool store selling hobby tools, right? But a lot of these are specialty imported tools from Japan, uh, China, Taiwan, Korea, you know. Um, it's like if you traveled around the world to pick the yes, tools that you needed, all, they're all in one store. Yeah, so then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go after the one, the main companies, not just, you know. So I started, I was like, I know how to. I know how to talk to these people. Like I know how to get a hold of them. Yeah. Because I, I took everything I learned from, um, in networking with, uh, you know, with music. Yeah. So I started like hitting people up on Twitter, on um, just emails. Yeah. Like constant though, till they finally hit me back. So they were like, fuck, this guy's not gonna stop. Like, fuck, Jim Falo also, you know? <laughs> Dude, they finally they hit me back and they were like down and I thought. And, but by then I, I already had all my like business licenses and all that stuff nice. but I thought like are they they never asked for it yeah. and that was one of the things later I learned is that when you do you know business dealings with companies overseas especially you know um, in like Japan China whatever they're not they're not gonna ask for them 
It's only going to happen in the States. Yeah. Right. For tax purposes and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not over there. But eventually, you know, the store got launched. I started selling tools. Um, and I believed in it. But it's so funny because when, when they got launched, it was one of those things where it's almost like I didn't want to say nothing that I got launched. Like I did it. But online I said it's, it's on. But I didn't want to yeah. say nothing to like, you know, to like my parents or like to friends. Like I wanted to keep yeah. it, you know, keep low it on key the down low. Because it's awkward in yeah. the beginning. Because you put in, you, you invest all this money, right? You yeah. get all this product in. And then you're putting all this work to build this thing. You're, you're paying this, you're paying that. Yeah. And then it, it's open. And you and in your head, you're kind of thinking, oh, yeah, the, the orders are going to pile up. Yeah. But a lot of times it's not like that. Yeah. Right? Like crickets in the beginning. Yeah. And and it's almost like I didn't want to. I knew that was going to happen, but I didn't want to be in that awkward phase of like, like oh, como te está yendo? And be like, oh. I got one order. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I know like. I had to be honest, you know, yeah. and I was just like, nah, it's, it's going slow right now. Like nothing's popping off, yeah. but, but don't worry. I mean, yeah, I'll, it'll happen. I'm worried. I mean, yeah. I, the experience from working with my parents, yeah. like I, I've gone ups and downs. Yeah. Like there's a slow week, there's a busy week, there's a slow week, you know, it, it switches up. So then eventually like it just, it went from like nothing to all of a sudden, like the homies on Instagram and then, and then just people I didn't even know that I'm like, wow like okay like because I, I look at the states yeah and then i look and even overseas and i'm just like and and, and it's it's kind of interesting because i i try to i see what tools are buying yeah and i try to in my head think like what are they building yeah you know like this other the, this one guy randomly bought a bunch of putty and spatulas and all these things and i'm thinking like is he building like a little miniature building maybe or something mm-hmm. i don't know or a yeah. little bridge i don't know but um with the support of you know the friends and just people and people posting on instagram and facebook and whatnot it's legitimized the business where people i mean i think the help of the podcast you know and the reputation it's very important yeah. because um I'm, I'm very transparent with with all these guys right yeah and as much as like going into a store that transparency has to be there and and it's like if I'm selling you a product, I'm selling you something that I'm using and that I believe in. Yeah. You know. And if especially and you, for such a niche, yes, culture, it's you know it's 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 almost like a low ride culture too. You know, you you go to the same painters because that guy told you, oh, I got my car painted with this dude. Yep. And everybody wants to look like that car, but a different way. So they're like they go to that dude, and so I think like especially because there's a lot of places where like you don't have access to things and you don't know where to go and buy them. It's easy to go to that one place that other dudes who are building amazing things are like going to. And so it feels mm-hmm. I always feel really comfortable buying things that I know other photographers or other filmmakers or other podcasters have used because I'm just like, OK, you know, they respect this place. And that's yeah. what it is. Are you getting access to people that you would never know that you would help out with your tools? Yeah, um, it, it's crazy because there's a there's this guy who who's, who has a brand. He's pretty he's pretty popular in the model scene, and uh, he, he goes by Jimmy Flintstone. And th- this is a uh, someone who casts uh, these resin car bodies, and these car bodies like he he does uh, custom cars and just different cars that they never really ever got produced in a kit, or you know people tend to like. The, they will customize their car they'll cut it and they'll cut it up and do all these things to create that 
but he kind of made it easier. He would be like, here, just buy the pure body. And just swap it out with your kit, the original to this one. So it's, it's really cool. And I tripped out. One day I get an order and it's him. Like his name and and, and I checked the address. I was like, yeah, that's his business address. That's crazy. And he was buying like some tools from, from me. And I was like, what the hell? Like I've been buying his stuff for years and now yeah. he's buying for me. And I'm thinking, like, man, how dope is that? And I'm like wondering. Did you send him a little note? No, yeah, I, I always write like a little thank you, uh, or I'll write something yeah. on the. Uh, I have like these little uh, shop cards, they yeah. call them. And um, and I was just tripping out and and thinking like, I wonder if he's working on something new yeah. to cast because they always got to do like a master, yeah. like you know when they're doing their master molds and all that, and then they recast them. And I was just thinking like, man, I hope I hope like he finds like you know all these things very useful. And and it's like it's cool because it's here, and it's and here's the one thing that's crazy. All the all these the biggest response I get from all my friends or just people is that the shipping was fast. Mm. Like, dude, this is like they even say, dude, it's faster than Amazon. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, bro, calm down. Like, <laughs> like I don't. In a way, I'm just. I'm, it gets me kind of worried. Yeah. Because what if one day there's a delay and they're like, hey, dog, where's my stuff? At? Yeah. You know. And and I was like thinking the advantage that I have here in LA is that I'm already almost I would say it's like a center point yeah to where the shipments go because if I ship items out of Oxnard it's like I gotta wait a day yeah from Oxnard to get to LA it's gonna take a day and then from there you know but it being it already here yeah and being shipped out depending what direction it's going to go it's already going to hit santa clarita and hit out head out yeah or it's going to hit you know if somebody bought something in la it'll be there in the doorstep the next day yeah you know uh pomona anywhere like near here and if it's going to go to like you know up north santa Barbara, boom boom and it just yeah. keeps it's just fast dude and and that's one of the things i'm really liking about being here too um i i see it as an advantage right now yeah i mean it, it's you even even in your area because you're sort of in the in the weird place you're like you're like 10 minutes away from highland park five minutes away from pasadena you know you're maybe 15 minutes away from downtown la mm -hmm. and so it's like if it wasn't COVID, this would be <laughs> a popping place because yeah. there's so much to do yep. but because of COVID, i mean but you're still in a great area like you have access to so many things because of where you're here and you know, Oxford is, is not a bad place, and, and you know, the Ventura County is beautiful. But you know, it's like sometimes it's harder to get to certain things. They, they don't have specialty stores or stuff. Yeah. Stuff. It's not the same. Uh, I mean, those there's something about small town living that's great, but then also like there's something about small town living that it's like, oh man, I wish I wasn't here. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, it's uh for me. I mean, I'm not like homesick or nothing. I feel like this is my home yeah i feel very comfortable and i mean the areas that i've been out in the la area i mean they were i was coming out here just to party yeah. to go out or to hang out you know and and i do have like a lot of friends out here too that yeah it, it's kind of crazy like I'm, i know because of this covid thing i'm not out there kind of hanging out with because i'm kicking it with my family yeah. you know but if I wasn't like, let's say if I was like just living out here like back then, then yeah, dude, I'd be like running around like yeah. everywhere, just kicking in and whatnot. Yeah. But I, I feel like everything just, I don't know, happens for a reason yeah. or whatever. I, mean, you know, I got, believe in all that. Yeah. For sure. I, I, you know, you're in LA now and you got the store popping. You're still working on music. 
You know, I have not. Oh, okay. Right now, um, as far as music, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm just being like a fan right now of music. You know, I'm, I'm going back. I've been collecting records. Like yeah. that, didn't, that has never stopped. I'm still buying seven inch records, 12 inch, whatever um, I can get my hands on that I really like, that I know I'm going to be playing. But I, I've been more into the collecting like soul records, um, like modern soul for my daughter. Because yeah. I like playing these these records for her and whatnot she gets all happy and, and like i know that that's gonna be something that i could give to her yeah i don't i don't know if she's gonna want those electronic experimental <laughs> records like <laughs> maybe you can play her that that midnight song yeah like what's all this <laughs> you know? she's being bad you know like, um, hey, here comes the midnight song yeah but uh, but it feels good though yeah. like just to kind of sit back but both you and your fiance dj right yes okay yeah but it's one of those things like whenever i we watch you know like a show together or a yeah. movie and, and the soundtracks kick i'm all i'm all like I'm geeky now listening yeah. to the music, but there's some times where it hits me and I go, oh, I'm going to go record, you know? Like, after yeah. this is done, I'm going to go record. And then by the time I'm getting to opening up the program, I'm like, nah, not right now. Right now is not the time. Because it definitely, you have, anything you do, you do have to give it all your attention yeah. and, and, and go for it. Right now, all my attention is first, you know, my family, yeah. for sure. And then, and then just, you know, the, the business. Store. Yeah, the store. I mean, you know, I, once once my little one's asleep and, and, and you know, once my fiance is asleep too, then that's when, like, it's almost like the store is on. Like, that's when the packaging happens, pulling orders and getting everything ready for the next day. You know, I try to not do any of that during the day while they're here. Yeah. Like, we're kicking it because... You know she's growing up and i don't want to miss any moment yeah, yeah you know especially weekends i don't want to do none of that like, yeah and it's a perfect time now i mean COVID has sort of you know i have a couple of friends that also have had a child recently these COVID babies that have you know grown up in the, in the time of COVID, and it's great their first year they spent with their mom and dad together at the yeah. house and they got a lot of attention and you know things that you couldn't do because you know you know the government way the jobs work don't don't really help parents out to stay with their kids for a while yeah you know you especially moms you know they got to go to work right away and you know dads are not even given that same liberty but you know it's worse for the mom because they you know all those things they go through but oh I mean, yeah man i mean th this has definitely opened up my eyes i mean this is the first time you know my first baby mm -hmm. and and it's it's just one of those things where being at home seeing from when we just found out that we were pregnant and doing the whole transition into having a baby and into now, yeah. it, it's taught me a lot and it showed me how much women do when for babies yeah. like when they're born. And then I started to think about what if I didn't help? What if I didn't do my part? Yeah. Like how whack would that be? Yeah. How and hard would that be too? Hell yeah. And, and it's I, your child. Yeah. And I'm like, nah, like, hell yeah. no, you know, so you gotta I'm, I'm going to be as much help, helpful as I can. Yeah. And I always go and then, you know, I, I, I appreciate like everything my mom and my grandma and my aunts like everything they did you know helping me yeah. grow uncles everybody right but you guys ha you guys have a good community that's helping out yeah, yeah yeah but at the end of the day i know that for sure like my mom my aunt everybody they held it down you yeah. know in that part and that's tough dude yeah to be like just do it on your own it's it's hard no yeah i mean you know our parents didn't have the same luxuries you know they were immigrants working and you know, yeah mom had to stay and take care of it and do it on their own you know figured it out yeah um but you know you get a baby daughter yeah man and she's super cute she looks oh, like her you. cartoon you know her <laughs> eyes are like so big and so yeah. animated and then she just laughs and smiles at everything 
which is really cool for me because then I can just say anything and she'll just laugh and I'm yeah. like, cool, that's what it's supposed <laughs> to be, you know, I'm funny. Um, she makes, she brings my, my, my ego up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but Baby Nate is super cute. Um, Thank you. Well, I want to thank you for, for being on the show. I think it was great. I mean, this is a, uh, it's a handful, you know, you're, you're an entrepreneur, you are part of this business designing floor arrangements. That's like a very big thing. And the business is a very huge thing, you know, especially, uh, because in America we have all these holidays, but I, I noticed that there's, everybody's always giving out flowers nowadays because I think it's something that boosts everybody's ego and everybody's, uh, not ego, but everybody's like emotions up, you yeah. know, like get everybody in, in, in a better sense. And I think that's what we need nowadays, like more caring, more empathy, more, you know, checking in on friends, but, and then the music stuff as well. I mean, it's hard to handle all that as a person and now you're a new parent. Yeah. Um, the next chapter. The next chapter. Yep. So yeah, so you go from modeling to to the baby, to the store, to the to the music, to everything. Uh, it's life. We all have to multitask. Yeah. You know, our mothers did it, so now we got to figure out how to do it ourselves. Yep. Uh, let's do some word association. The lightning round. I do this with a lot of my brown friends, and I interview a lot of my brown uh, guests because it's things that we know, and everybody has a different reaction to everything. Cool. Uh, Nike Cortez. Think of cholos. <laughs> I've always wanted those shoes, and my mom said no. And ah. I, I never owned one. Never to this day. I oh, never man. owned a pair. I, I'm starting a little collection. I already have some. Oh, some of them. Yeah, All right. yeah. Uh, my first ones were were black on black leather. What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was in junior high, and uh, yeah. But did you ever? Oh, sorry, sorry to kind of. Yeah. But did you ever put those little? Uh, I remember people on the on the laces in the front. It would put like the. Some colors like let's say of the flag. Oh yeah, yeah, Those yeah. Little, I don't know what nah. little beads or something. They were like little flat beads that you kind of like like put in there. Yeah, somebody. I, I remember there was that. a kid who had a Puerto Rican one. Okay. And that's how we found out he was Puerto Rican. Oh yeah, yeah. No people. Because <laughs> I didn't know colors. he was Puerto Rican. Yeah. yeah. And then so then my friend put a Mexican one and then broke one and it just looked weird and I was oh. like, Yo, bro, take it out. It yeah, just yeah. looks dumb now. <laughs> it's like it's two colors, like white and red. <laughs> uh, um. All right. Uh, hoop earrings. Cholas. Oh. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I remember seeing that. Comal? Uh, I'm thinking about tortillas. Do you uh, guys have one in your in your? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking about uh, tortillas with butter and then roll it and eat it. It's I remember, good. like, good. sometimes, you know, you don't have a lot of money, but mm. it would be like tortillas and queso fresco. Yeah. That, that was a meal. Yeah. You didn't really have to, like, do much, but if you had a comal and you can, like, you know, cook up some tortillas. Because tortillas in the microwave is oh, no. completely different than having this. And it's just a sheet of metal that's kind of like curved a little bit. Yeah. And it's flat. And then you just put, you know, your tortillas on there. But I remember just doing like queso fresco and that and a little bit of chile. And that was it. Yeah. That was ba your basics. Yeah. You just kind of survive. Yeah. Or sometimes that was like your midday snack, you know, like yeah. if you were, you were that hungry. Uh, street elotes. Oh, the elotero, for sure. Yeah. Putting the, the queso with polvo and... The, like all the the condiments, you I'm know. Not big on mayonnaise, but mayonnaise on an elote with some some cheese, yeah. and some chile, and yeah, lemon. Some fresco, the, the, that the powdered chili. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I don't know how much they cost now, but I remember like a dollar back then. Yeah, they don't cost a dollar. They're probably like six yeah. bucks. Yeah, so they're a little bit more than. Tip, I'm giving ten bucks. Yeah, if you're like in, yeah, tip your your street vendors, take care of them. Right yeah, for sure. Champurrado. Oh man, I'm thinking about a panaderia when I think of champurrado. Oh really? You know, to get it. To get pan dulce with it? Yeah, heck yeah. Yeah, yeah especially like on a cold day or during the holidays. Raspados. Ooh, that's another one. That's like the 
I'm thinking, is that like a rival to the Elotero? Because when I think of the Raspados, I just imagine the dude with this big block yeah. cruising around just and like then he's scraping sh- it. Yeah. And then, but here's the thing that's crazy is, you know how the, the metal piece, yeah. they shove it right into the thing and then when he takes it off, this dude was still with his hand, grab the ice and push it down. And then later, like, oh, que sabor. Yeah. And then you're like, um, quiero le vainilla. And then he puts it. <laughs> But you're thinking like, dude, you just had your hands on yeah, the thing. Yeah, on the ice, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I've seen what I've seen lately, which is really, you know, entrepreneur of them. I've seen dudes with blocks and elotes. Ooh. So they sell spouse and elotes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the I did, you know, back in the day, like at Echo Park, there was a guy who just only had raspados. Mm-hmm. And then the elote, go was, the elote lady was on the other side. Yeah. And sometimes they would give each other looks like, yeah. you're, hey, you're, dude. you're in my space, fool. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he would go around. Yeah, because there's only like so much money a person's gonna spend. Yeah, like, yeah. But I mean, like some people don't want a lot this. Some people want respados and shit yeah. like that. And like little kids, they're not gonna trade corn, man. They're like, hey, give me that, yep. give me that respado, because mm-hmm. they want that bubblegum flavor. Yeah, yeah. That was like a game changer. It was always like vanilla and tamarindo and strawberry. But then when they came out with that blue bubblegum flavor, yeah, that changed everything. <laughs> <laughs> and then the ice cream man with the pepinos. Oh <laughs> shit. Um, Selena. Oh, I think about what? Bidi Bidi Bam Bam. There you go. Frida? Uh, I think about her, her paintings for sure. I, I always imagine that one she does with, with the split with the heart. Yeah. Like the opening. Yeah, with the two sisters. The yeah. That stays in your mind. Heck yeah, I, I always like the, the, the monkey one. Because I love that floral background. Mm-hmm. I wish that was my, my, uh, my wallpaper. But I don't like the monkey. Like the monkey's a yeah. yeah, I was just like thinking like that monkey probably has shit in his hand and he's like touching her and she's uh, got a nice blouse and that's gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think she did have a monkey in real life. Uh, Walter Mercado. Uh, I think about um, like he's going to read my, uh, damn, what's the word? Like my sign or whatever. And, and horoscope? He's gonna, he's gonna, yeah, my horoscope. He's going to tell me my future. <laughs> like he's going to tell me about scale writers. Okay. R.I.P. He's like... Con mucho, mucho amor afterwards. Yeah, there yeah. You go. good dude. Uh, Lucas. Oh, I'm thinking about the, the the chili powder Lucas, putting it, in, not washing my hands, putting Lucas in my hand, and, just and lick then licking it. Yeah. And then later they come out with uh, the what, lemon one. What was that thing that everybody did? Why would they put it in the hand and lick it off the hand? Why wouldn't they just put it in their mouth? I think what it was. Like something about like your sweaty ass hand that like yeah, made it taste better. It was like lemony, I think, uh, especially if you had like a sweaty palm. Yeah. But um, I just remember like. Whoever had it in their pocket yeah. would bust out low key and I hit like put some Lucas yeah. and lick their hand and yeah. then and then when they, by the time they look up they'd have like five people there standing like, right yo like, like yo, sticking out their hands yeah. so everybody would be like like you know he'd be shaking it and then the, you know how you could rotate the lid yeah nah 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 give me the other one the one with the bigger <laughs> hole so then it's like, <laughs> like big old mountain that's crazy I didn't I didn't realize that that's true I remember somebody putting a little bit in my hand and I had some. It was sometimes that we did it in class because it was yeah. like, you know, you put your arm out. You reach out. Yeah. Uh, Tajin. Tajin. Is that like grown up, uh, Lucas? Um, yeah, you know, because it's not really hot. It's no. just more like a flavor. Yeah. You know? I feel like every time I think about Tajin, I think about the Pino. Yeah. This is so good. No, definitely. Yeah. Hey, it's got to be added. La Chancla. Um, 
I not mean, that we condone child abuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, nah. But I, I didn't really experience that. But I had friends that did. Uh, like, I like that was always the, the joke, you know, that yeah. the moms have like good aim with that. And I mean, I did witness that with friends getting hit or the dogs getting hit. <laughs> the dogs getting in hit. the yard, like <laughs> like if they weren't quiet or, or they they just did something. Jankla came to the dog. Yeah, like I had a friend who his mom. I mean, she she worked like long shifts mm-hmm. at work. She was a hard work working lady, but at the weekends, her gig was doing cakes mm. for you know a, a party, yeah, yeah, yeah. like just huge cakes. And one time, she left the cake on the table and she told us. You guys are in charge of the cake. I got to go. And I'm going to be back hours later. They're going to come through at this time to pick up the cake. Then they're going to pay you cash. This is how much you're going to pay you. And that's it. Just deliver the cake when they knock at the door. All right, cool. Me and this will go to the room to play like Mortal Kombat Part 1. Sega. And we're over here playing like, like this is dope. This one has blood. Like, because all the other Mortal Kombat's blood didn't come out. So we're like, blood. And then next thing you know, the dog comes in and he, he Eats starts the cake. licking the yes. cake, dude. You know? And we and we didn't know. <laughs> and then his mom shows up and she's like, ah, Ricardo, like freaking out, dude. And we're like, and then this, the, the cool thing is he had a um, his, like a window, like yeah. a sliding window. Yeah. And, and a lot of us would jump out or come into the window yeah. instead of going to the front door. Yeah. So when he went over there, dude, I bounced, bro. Like I went out the window. Well, I jumped out the window <laughs> and I waited a little. And then what I did was like, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go because by now I wait. I, I was timing it. All right. By now he's probably in trouble now. Right, but I'm gonna I'm gonna come in and knock on the door, so it kind of like so you stops. weren't there when it happened. Yeah, <laughs> so I knock and then or, you know and then like so the mom's all mad and then she sees me. Oh, oh nice. Oh, yeah. and, like, and then I, and then I'm like, oh, sorry, no. and they're like, oh, you know, he's in the yard. And then I'm thinking, like, oh, dang. so I'm back there and then the mom's like, oh, that's Oh, and shit. then like dogs the dog's over there all sick dude oh, like, you know because no. he ate all that the cake. sugar yeah yeah he's over there in the yard like and all, all of a sudden like we're like oh he's over there and bah, he just gets hit. and we're like dang and it, it wasn't like she wasn't rocking like she already had them on the side right yeah. there she's just like boom and i was just like oh damn dude and i was like fool let's jam let's jam like <laughs> let's let's take off you know and not yeah, that abuse against dogs is something yeah, we could do nah. either, but it, it's, you know, brown parents. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thanks a lot for being on the show. I appreciate yeah. it. Uh, it's interesting to hear the, uh, the story, especially the stories about the songs. Uh, what's next? Um, I mean, definitely my, my goal this year. I mean, we're, you know, I mean, we still have a ways for it to end. But for Scale Riders, my goal is to go from being like uh, like an online store at home mm-hmm. to having a physical like brick lo- and mortar. a brick and mortar uh fulfillment center nice. let's say cool. you know like a, just a spot where i could be operating like a warehouse or ha- yeah store. warehouse nice yes that's the goal um where can they find scale finders oh um just visit uh the website scalewriters.com okay scale writers. i said scale finders yeah no nah, that's all good yeah. uh and then the youtube channel for the podcast scale yeah writers. so yeah, YouTube uh, is also Scale Writers. Just search that. Um, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, Escar. Uh, yeah, Spotify, iTunes, e- everything under uh, Scale Writers. And then maybe 
baby Nina in a, in, in a couple of years, you'll see her DJing. Yeah, that's another thing too. I mean, we, we've been exposing her, showing her, you know, our swapping records, making, yeah. scratching yeah. and all that stuff. So. And we're, we're, let, we're, she's tripping out on touching the music. Yeah, record, I saw a little video of her scratching. Yeah, the record, she hears the music, and yeah. when she puts her hand on it and it stops, she kind of is like, wait, what the heck? She knows. She now she's that. starting to, yeah, understand what's going okay. on. Sweet. Well, thank you guys, and we'll see you guys soon. Peace out. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Also follow us on Instagram. Leave a like, leave a comment, tell a friend, share our stories. And remember, if you don't see color, you don't see beauty.